Word of God? Who's encouraged? Who's, who's excited to get into the Word of God? Um, I wasn't down to speak today, but I am now. <laughs> I wasn't down, just like uh, Neil was down to lead communion, but he's not here either, so Steve stepped into the breach today. I wasn't down to speak today, but I am, and I so yesterday I was like, God, I need a word. I really need a word, and he gave me this word, and I pray that it will strengthen you and encourage you in Jesus' name. Amen? And the kids are just running everywhere. Woo! Run for Jesus. Run for Jesus. Run the race with perseverance. Come on. It's good. Bless them. Matters of the heart. So it was kind of like, oh, here we go, the heart thing again. But it was about lessons from the life of David. It's really good to look at someone's life and learn lessons from that. Is there an amen to that? It's good to look at someone's life and learn lessons because that is wisdom. I remember, you know, speaking to kids over time and to young people over time and, you know, some of them would say, I don't want to learn from my parents' mistakes. I want to make my own. And I went, oh, dear. It is good to learn from your parents' mistakes. It is good to learn from friends. It is good to learn from other people. It is good to learn life lessons from people who walked with the Lord. And that's what we're going to do today. Now, the last two months has been, the focus has been on the heart, you know, and at times it's a little bit confronting because God is wanting to remove those things that are in our hearts that are not glorifying Him. Is there an amen to that? We have to understand that He's a good Father and He loves us and He doesn't want us to be hindered in any way. He wants us to be able to run freely. He wants us to be, run, to be able to run the race without hindrance. And that's why He speaks to us about matters of the heart. And last week was about the tongue because out of the overflow of the heart, the tongue speaks and the tongue has the power of life and death. And we need to be careful with the words that we speak over ourselves and our situations and over other people. Is there an amen to that? Because we are anointed. We are grace. And, you know, there, there is weight in our words that we carry. And so we need to be careful. But we're not going there today. You know, I was thinking about Isaiah 40. Can I just say one thing? You know, I've been feeling the last two or three weeks in my own prayer life, and, and I can only speak for myself, but I've been feeling a grrr. You know, sometimes you just, you know, you have seasons in prayer and, you, and you're praying, and, you, and you know, you're just interceding and you're praying for stuff. You, you know, you've, but at the moment I've been feeling a grrr, and that is I've had enough of what is happening around us, I've had enough in our nation, I've had enough, and I'm declaring that, that the righteousness and justice of God that is the foundation of His throne is coming to this nation. It is a grrr. I have had enough. It is time for the Lion of Judah to roar. It is time for the warriors, the sons and daughters of the King, to arise and enforce His kingdom come and His will be done. Is there an amen? We need to speak to the mountains. We need to speak to the obstacles. We need to speak to those things that aren't as if they are, we need to start speaking that way. Amen. Jesus didn't say, oh, Father, please do this. He had authority and he knew the, the Father's heart and he said, it is done. Anyway, that's the grrr. But Isaiah 40. So sorry if I get loud sometimes, I just get a bit grrr. 
A voice of one crying out. Isaiah 40. Because I really believe the church is in this, this, this place as part of the heart message. And, and I've referred to it on and off over weeks. A voice of one crying out. Just, can you just picture that with me for a minute? What is it? What, is, what, is, what does that make you feel? What does that make you hear? A voice of one crying out. Anyone? Desperate, frustrated, passionate. A voice of one, sorry, heartfelt, heartbroken. A voice of one crying out, longing, needing help. But the crying out is, you know, if you actually look at the Hebrew word for this word, it's not necessarily a crying out as in like, a, like, you, like you have no strength left crying out. It is a desperation crying out because we need change. We need to see change. It's a, it is that. So there is a voice of one that is crying out, and this is what they say. And I've been hearing some of those old revival in Belfast songs in my head. Hands up who's old enough in the faith to remember those revival in Belfast songs. You know, I can hear that thunder in the distance like the train on the edge of the town. I can feel the brooding of your spirit. Lay your burdens down. Lay your burdens down. And then a river of us. Anyway, I can hear all those. Prepare the way of the Lord in the wilderness. And you've heard me say before, when the Lord, when the way of the Lord is prepared in the wilderness, it is no longer a wilderness. Because the jungle is being cleared. It's like the old, the old time farmers with their cane fields, with their machete things or whatever they would use. And they would go through and they'd cut the cane. It was like wilderness, but all of a sudden, it was like straight paths were being made up. The Lord moves and brings changes to that circumstance. He makes straight a highway for our God in the desert. Every valley will be lifted up. Those areas of our lives that are less than, that stinking thinking, all those areas, those lies of the enemy that he's been making you believe that you are not, that you are not this, that you are not that. Every valley shall be raised up and every mountain and hill would be, would, would be brought low. The areas of pride and resistance in our lives will be brought down because God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Amen? And every, um, even the, the uneven ground will become smooth. Sometimes we just need a bit of polishing, a bit of refining. Is there an amen to that? A lot? Did someone say a lot? And the glory of the Lord will appear. And all humanity together will see it, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. And I believe in the midst of it that, that God, through His Spirit, wants to bring an expectancy in our hearts for the glory of the Lord to appear. In your circumstance, in your family, in your situation, in Bundaberg, in this state, in this nation, that the glory of the Lord will appear. The enemy wants to beat us down, so we just give up. But we need a bit of Rocky Balboa about us. We need a bit of, okay, let's make it biblical. We need a bit of Jesus. <laughs> a lot of Jesus. Everything of Jesus. <laughs> Where we just, where our focus is on Him. 
and our strength comes from Him, and our hope comes from Him, and our joy comes from Him, and our faith comes from Him. That even if you feel like you get knocked down, you can get back up again because your hope is in the Lord. To use a word that the world is using, and the world has been using, I think the church is in a time of reset. But not as the world wants to reset, not as the enemy wants to reset, but God is resetting our hearts. In that, there is a returning to first love. We don't need to go there. Revelation 2, write it down, go back and read it. There was all these good things that they were doing, yet they had forsaken their first love. You know what? You, you can be doing good things for Jesus, but your hearts can be far from Him. That's true, isn't it? You can be doing good things for Jesus, but you can be drying up on the inside because your hearts are far from Him. So there is a resetting. There is a returning to first love. And, you know, and the picture that I always communicate with you is me and Bonnie. When you, when you have that place where someone is in your heart and you long to be with them, you cannot wait for that day and you carry them in your heart. We need to carry Jesus in our heart. That we, everything we, we would do would be out of a place of first love, not out of a place of duty or religious patterns or traditions. Is there an Amen. So there's a returning to the first love, Revelation 2. There's a getting rid of the clutter. There's a simplifying. Who likes that? There's these shows on TV at the moment. I can't even think what it's called. Space Invaders. Space Invaders. Where they go into someone's home where you can't even walk in the front door. Like there is just stuff everywhere. And it's like, how do people live like that? I'm sorry if anyone does live like that. I'm sorry. For me, I'm like, how do people live like that where there's just stuff everywhere? And they go in and they get rid of stuff and, and, and they clear it up and their house is so different. I think God's doing that in our hearts and lives. I think he's getting rid of some of the clutter. I think he wants to get rid of some stuff to make room for him. Is there an amen to that? That he would put that, that, you know, we would make space. There's a song by David, uh, no, uh, Jonathan um, Helser and his wife. It's about making space. It's about making space. We, and it actually says we get rid of the clutter. And I think we need to get rid of some clutter to make space for Jesus in our life more and more. Is that okay? Because we need to get back to his presence. We need to make sure that his presence is primary. And when I was praying into this the other day, the Lord had already seeded something in me and I was reading the story of Mary and Martha. And, there's, and I've read this so many times. I've preached on it. And there was something else that leapt off the page as I read the story of Martha and Mary. And it was this. Let me just read the verses again. While they were traveling, Luke 10, 38. While they were traveling, he entered a village and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. If you've given your life to Jesus, you have welcomed him into your home. Do we get that picture? She also had a sister named Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and was listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by her many tasks. And you know what? I think there are many Christians that have welcomed Jesus into their heart 
but have become distracted by their many tasks. And I think there needs to be a decluttering to make space for Jesus as our first love. Is there an amen to that? We could meditate on that for a while, couldn't we? And it's going to be different for every single one of us. It could be stuff from the past. It could be the busyness of life. It could be other things that we're allowing to crowd in on us. It could be an issue that we have with someone. It could be all kinds of stuff. But we have to declutter. And we have to get rid of the distractions to make space for Jesus. We could finish there. But we're not going to finish there. We haven't even talked about David yet, so we haven't even got to the lessons from the life of David. It's about getting back to basics, isn't it? Getting back to basics. The basics of Christianity. The basics of of our faith is Jesus Christ. He is the way, the truth, and the life. There is no other way. We're getting back to basics. The message of salvation. Guy, you know, Guy always says to me, you know, evangelists in the uh, New Testament were very, are very different to many evangelists today because they could expound, they could expound things in a much deeper level than, ju- than just Jesus loves you. So here was Philip, the evangelist, and he was preaching and sharing the gospel in such a way that the Ethiopian eunuch said, there's water. What's stopping me from being baptized? So the way he was teaching was not just a simple Jesus loves you or be healed, but there was teaching that was happening as he was sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. And the, and the man had a revelation that he needed to be baptized. We need to get back to the simplicity. We need to get back to family. And, you know, and I understand that family is not always a good image for people. Some people here today have had a bad experience with family. And so it's like, I don't want to let people in. Is that true? It's like Mother's Day and Father's Day and stuff. Sometimes, like, certain dates are hard. Things are hard because they bring up other memories. But the reality is we have to get back to biblical family where it is safe. And it is good. And yeah, we're still people. Sometimes we disappoint people. Sometimes we say the wrong thing. The best thing is to do is deal with it. Do not go to bed angry. Do not give the devil a foothold. But we need to get back to the simple things. We need to get back to the love of God. We need to get back to people. My, 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 my heart is that discipleship wouldn't be defined by a program. But our discipleship would be defined by Jesus. And what I mean by that is that you are all called to make disciples. We don't need more programs. We don't need more meetings. We gather together to be equipped and encouraged and strengthened and build up and that kind of stuff. But together we are called to make disciples. If every single one of us was discipling somebody, every year we'd multiply. Every year, the church would be multiplying, as I've said before. It's, it's the basic stuff. You have Christ in you, the hope of glory, so you have something to give. Amen? We need to get back to the simple things. So the Lord has been focusing on the matters of the heart, the reset, to strip everything away, because He wants us to live in the freedom that was purchased for us at Calvary. He came to bring life, and He came to bring abundant life. Is there an amen to that? 
So with all that in mind, I just want to spend a few minutes today looking at, the, looking at David and learning lessons from the life of David. Because for me, David is one of those people that I just look to and I learn so much from in Scripture. And in fact, for myself, you know, people kind of say to me, man, you've just got a heart like David. And so I, it's kind of David for, my, for me is someone that I continue to go and look back at. And one of my favorite Psalms of David is Psalm 27. And this is what it says. And I'm I'm not going to read all of it because, oh, maybe I will. The Lord is, we've just, we've got an extra couple of minutes today, haven't we? So, because we don't have to pack up chairs or anything. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom should I fear? Every statement that David makes, you could just sit on and dwell. And I actually want to encourage you to do that. I want to, I want to encourage you to be like a cow. Ruminate. I don't even know what that word means, but I know that you just need to chew it over again. It goes through another stomach and another stomach, and you process it and you process it. We, we live in a gobble and go society. I'm running late. I'll go through McDonald's drive through and I'll pick up some nuggets and chips on my way, and as I'm driving the car, I'll chuck them down because I'm running late. Aren't we? We need to learn to meditate on everything every word. The Lord is my light and my salvation, whom shall I fear? That is, someone today, I'm sitting on that, someone today needs to hear that. The Lord for you is your light and he is your salvation. You don't need to fear. There is no fear in love. Perfect love casts out all fear. The Lord is the stronghold of my life. He is so dependable. He is so trustworthy. Whom should you dread? Like, when evildoers come against me to devour me, my, my foes and my en enemies, they stumble and fall. What confidence in the Lord is that? When evil people come against me, they're just going to stumble and fall. It's, his confidence is not in who he is. His confidence is in the Lord's, that the Lord will fulfill his purpose. Though an army, imagine that, though an army deploys against me, my heart will not be afraid. And yet the, the media and the world is wanting to bring fear, 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 fear. And David said, I will not be afraid. Though a war breaks out against me, I still will be confident. I have one thing from the Lord. I have asked one thing. If you could ask one thing from the Lord, what, what would it be? You don't need to answer me now. This is what David said. My desire is to dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life and to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in the temple. How good is that? It's a bit like when the Lord asked Solomon, he said, what do you want, Solomon? Solomon could have asked for anything and he said, I need wisdom. That was a good answer. I think nowadays if people ask stuff, it's more about possessions, it's more about stuff, not about him. For he will conceal me in the day of, uh, in his shelter, he, in, in the day of adversity. He will hide me under the cover of his tent. He will set me high on a rock. And my head will be high above my enemies around me. And I will offer sacrifices in his tent with shouts of joy. Who, who likes shouts of joy? Okay, we've got 12 people like shouts of joy. Come on. Woo! Joy! Shouts of joy! 
Woo! Praise you, Jesus. You're worthy. There's another thing that I, that, that like the, the Australian church needs to come out from under that religious spirit that says you can't shout. You can shout at a football game. I was shouting at the soccer game last night. When this guy come up and give Josh a big elbow in the head, I was like, set him off, Lord. Set him. No, I didn't say that. I didn't say. I didn't say. Anyway. <laughs> My tongue gets caught up sometimes. You can shout at those kind of things. You can shout at stuff. But what about we shout praises of God? That is the great place to start shouting. Shouting praises of God. Who wants to shout praises of God? Who wants to shout the praises of the Lord? Whoa, come on. I will shout joy. Shouts of joy. I will sing and make music to the Lord. Lord, hear my voice when I call. Be gracious to me and answer me. When you said, seek my face, my heart said, your face I will seek. Do not hide from me. Do not turn your servant away in anger. You have been my helper. Do not leave me or abandon me, for you are the God of my salvation. Even if my father and mother abandon me, the Lord will care for me. Man, isn't that a statement? Even if people around me abandon me, the Lord will care for me. Because of my adversaries, show me your way, Lord, and lead me on a level path. Do not give me over to the will of my foes, for false witnesses rise up against me, breathing violence. You know, the best thing you can do that is if you, that if you hear something about someone else, you actually go and ask the other person. Because you can, you, we can stop false witness like that by actually being better at communicating. I am confident. He said, I would have lost heart except that I am confident that I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Are you confident of that? Are you confident of that situation? Are you confident that you will see the goodness of God in your circumstance, in this nation, in, you know, whatever it may be for you? Well, so wait for the Lord. And that's a bit hard sometimes, isn't it? Hands up who likes waiting. Not one person likes waiting. Woo! It's hard, isn't it? Yeah. Lord, give me patience. I want it now. Be strong and let your heart be courageous as you wait for the Lord. What a psalm. I'm going to get back to that in a minute. Just, just think about David. I could preach for a long time today, but I'm not going to do that. What was that? Why? I have no idea. You probably get sick of me speaking after a while. I was thinking about David. We look at 1 Samuel 16. And we, and we don't have time to go through the whole of David's life and everything that happened. Otherwise, we would be here for as long as they're in Africa. Like six hours later. And they still want you to preach some more. In Australia, it's like, Tim, you've spoken for half an hour. It's time to close the doors. No, it's... Actually, I'm really thankful, hey, that, that no one rushes out of this place. Everyone just likes to hang around and have a cuppa and chat with each other. And that's, I'll tell you what, that's, that's a good sign of something. 1 Samuel 16. He was a young shepherd boy in the wilderness. I think it was last week or was it the week before 
I read a verse of scripture where the Lord said of, of Israel, I led them into the wilderness in order to test what was in their heart. You know, we see the wilderness as a bad place. We see seasons of spiritual wilderness a bad place, but it's not necessarily a bad place if you're going through it the right way. Yeah? Because the Lord will refine you. He will do things that you don't even know that he's doing until you come out of that place and you will recognize what God has been doing. So David was trained where? In the palace? No, in the wilderness. David was trained in the wilderness looking after sheep. That is where he began to learn the lessons that God had him to learn. That is where God shaped his heart. It was a place of testing. It was a place of preparation. It was a place where no one else saw what was going on except David and the Lord. The battles that he faced, the lion that he faced and he overcame and the bear that he faced and overcame and everything else that was going on, no one else saw, but David knew. But it was a key preparation because the Lord said, when Saul's heart had wandered away, he wasn't, he, Saul's heart wasn't right. And the Lord said to Samuel, when he was looking for the next one that would be king, he said, do not look at his appearance or his stature because I have rejected him because I do not look at what, what man looks at because man looks at the outward things, but I look at the heart. And isn't that true? We so often judge people by outward things. And yet the Lord looks at the heart. Even his dad didn't see it. Even Jesse didn't see it. Bring your sons out to me. Oh, it must be this one. Must be this one. He's big and strong. Oh, oh, maybe it's this one. Maybe it's this one. He's really strong. Maybe it's another one. And who's the shortest one here? Like who? Oh, come on, I'm not the shortest one here. Dave's probably the shortest one here. Or Brian. Brian's pretty short. King Dave. You're vertically challenged. Bless you. Absolutely. You see, even his dad didn't see it. Even his dad didn't recognize what was happening in David's heart and David's life. He didn't see it, but the Lord knew. He he knew. And you know, God, God sees your heart. He knows you. He knows what you've been going through. He knows every battle. He knows every test. He knows every trial. He knows the injustices. He knows these things. But he wants to encourage you to keep your eyes fixed upon him because he is a God of righteousness and justice and things will come around. Joseph is another example. There was so much injustice that happened to the life, life of Joseph, yet the Lord used it for good. Is there an amen? And whatever injustice, whatever stuff has been happening in your life, know this. Keep your heart sweet. Keep your eyes focused upon the Lord and let him lead you through it because there will be restitution. There will be vindication. There will be justice. There will be. If we turn the page to the battle of, uh, the battle of Goliath, 
Everyone else was running away. We're not going to get into this today because we've been in, been in it previously. But everyone else was scared. Everyone else was fearful. Those that had the armour on externally had nothing in them internally. And that's why I'm always interested in the heart. I'm not interested in what you can do for God. I'm interested in who you are in God. And that's why I've said at time and time again, it's not about how well you can prophesy. If you're not willing to help me pack up a chair, I'm not interested. Because you, if you can prophesy and understand all mysteries, but you have not love, you're just a resounding gong. And you know, one of the verses that always freaked me out was in Matthew 7, when, the, when Jesus says, On that day many will say, Lord, Lord, didn't I prophesy in your name? Didn't I drive out demons in your name? Didn't I perform many miracles in your name? And he said, Away from me, you, you evildoers, I never knew you. Wow. I never want to be that person that does lots of stuff but has, has left my relationship. So here was David. He had some ticker. He had some faith. His faith was in the Lord. And you know the story. Who is this uncircumcised Philistine? Who is this uncircumcised that defies the army, and you know, that defies the Lord? Who is this one? And you know, sometimes we need to be a little bit like that. We, we, you've got a mountain, you've got an obstacle in front of you, and you're trying to go around it, well, maybe you just need to smash it and go through it. Maybe there's an obstacle that's in the way, well, maybe you just need to need to speak to it and see that mountain move. Is there an amen? You see, David not only had a tender heart towards God, a heart after God, but that tenderness caused him to have a strength. David faced many other battles in his life. If we turn to 1 Samuel 30, we'll see that he faced a battle within his own camp. David was not immune to things happening within his circle. And neither are we. We are not immune from things happening within our circle, our family, our circumstances, even Restoration Centre. We're not immune to things happening because the enemy will try and sow stuff. So there was a battle. They'd been out there and they'd been defeating more armies and they'd come home and they'd found their families kidnapped And the men started, and, and it says in uh, verse 4, it says, David and the troops with him wept loudly until they had no strength left to weep. And I think there's at least someone here today that has had a season of weeping and it feels like you've got no strength left to weep. And in that moment, his best mates turned on him. Have you ever been in a situation where you're going through a battle and what you really need is people around you that will support you, but then they start to turn on you? They turned on David. But there was another lesson here to be learned. David's strength came from the Lord. And in the midst of everything that was happening around him, his focus was the Lord. It was still the Lord. 
and he strengthened himself in the Lord. He encouraged himself in the Lord. He built himself up in the Lord. How did he do that? He reminded himself of everything that God was and everything that he'd seen God do. And he reminded himself of Scripture because they knew, they, like they knew verses, they knew passages, they knew stuff. And he was just reminding himself of who God was and what God said he will do. And as he kept his focus on the Lord, as he magnified the Lord, everything else became small. And faith began to rise again. And he said, we're going to go and we're going to recover everything that was taken from us. And that is exactly what they did. You see, the circumstance didn't define David. David defined the circumstance. And maybe for some of you here today, there's a circumstance that is trying to define you. But God is saying, no, 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 let, I, I want to move through you to define the circumstance. Are we getting built up today? Okay, just checking. Then there was a battle within him. I'm nearly finished. I'm sorry. I don't need to be sorry. Did someone say? Then there was a battle within him. You can have battle, battle with stuff. You can have battles in your own camp, but then David had a battle within him. The first time he took his eyes off the Lord, his eyes went to a beautiful lady and he lusted in his heart for her. David did something very wrong. And if we go to 2 Samuel 11, we will see that there are still repercussions for that. The child who was born didn't live. And the prophet Nathan came to David. And he revealed to David what he had done. And in that moment, David had a revelation of how he had sinned before the Lord. And there are times when we've done something in our life where God speaks to us and he speaks to us as a father. And, and as I've said before, religion wants to make you run and hide. But the father heart of God actually says, no, come and run to me and hide yourself in me. David, in the midst of when he was confronted by the prophet Nathan... He wrote Psalm 51. Psalm 51, the psalm where he just wrote. And he just said, Lord, do not, do not cast me from your presence or take not your Holy Spirit from me. He didn't say, God, take not my kingship. He didn't say, take not my, my, my wealth and my empire and my buildings. He said, Lord, do not cast me from your presence or take your spirit from me. It showed that underneath everything that he did and everything that he went through, that his heart was still there for the Lord. It wasn't about possessions. It wasn't about titles. It wasn't about ministry opportunities. It wasn't about saving face. It wasn't about anything of that. It was for the Lord is there an amen to that. And in fact, if we read 2 Samuel 9, he said, 
Is there someone that I can show favour to from the line of Saul? Saul, the one that wanted to kill him. Saul, the one that was chasing him down because of David and the relationship they had. He said, is there anyone from the house of Saul that I can show favour to? And he found Mephibosheth. I feel like going, Mephibosheth. And he came and he sat at his table every day. A man who was not worthy was made worthy because David said, come and sit at my table. And you know, Jesus has done that for us. We were crippled. We were not worthy. And Jesus has made us worthy. And he said, come and sit at my table every day. Yeah, you can clap him because the gospel is there, right there in that passage. The gospel is in 2 Samuel 9. You can look for Jesus anywhere and you'll find him. And then the last thing I just wanted to say was that he longed for the presence of God. If we turn to 1 Chronicles 13 to 15, and we're not going to read all that, he wanted to get things right. The Ark of the Covenant, the, the presence of God, that blue flame between, you know, the cherubim, was he wanted to set things right. And he got it wrong the first time. He tried to do it the world's way, the Philistine's way. He tried to put it on a new cart and where the oxen just pull it in. But he learned that God had a way. The Levites had to carry it on their shoulders. There was blood, sweat and tears to carry the glory in. But his heart was to see the glory restored to Israel. That it really resonates with me that I want to see the glory, the manifest glory of God return to the church. That when people encounter, they would fall to the ground and say, what must I do to be saved? We do not need to try and talk someone into it because they will know. That is one of my lifelong pursuits in Christ, is to see the manifest presence of God return to the church as it should be. Oh yeah. Am I only feeling that? Or are you feeling that? Huh? You're crying. Yeah, a bit like that, isn't it? Hey, music team, you want to come up? I'm kind of sorry I've taken so long, but we're in a good place, aren't we? You see, this is why the Lord wants to get rid of anything that doesn't need to be there. He wants to get rid of the clutter. He wants to get rid of these things in our hearts that we would, like David, we would take hold and we would kill the lion and the bear and we would kill Goliath that we would have a heart after God the way that David had a heart after God. When you said, seek my face, my heart said, your face I will seek. When we have battles within our camp, when we have battles within our families, when we have battles within ourselves, we keep going back to Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. 
In Psalm 27, we see a man who had a longing for more of God. And if I could pray anything today, that would be my prayer. God, that your spirit would move in our hearts collectively, that we would have a longing for more of you above anything else, that we would have a longing for more of God. Amen? In Psalm 27, we see that man who had a confidence in God. We, we see a man who had a desire to seek the face of God. And we had a man who, because of that, had an expectation of God was going to move. I would have lost heart, except I am confident that I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. And for some reason, I feel like standing on a chair. I would have lost hearts. And maybe there's someone here today that maybe feels like, you know what, I'm almost losing heart in my circumstance, in my situation, whatever that may be. But I want to encourage you that the goodness of God will break through. It may not be the way that you expect. It may not be the way that you maybe even want at this point in time. But I'm here to tell you the goodness of God will break through. So let's keep our eyes on him. I don't want to be so bold to say the glory is coming. The glory is coming. Do not lose heart. Do not take your eyes off him. The glory is coming. God just needs to strip some things away first. Maybe he needs to strip time away where we only give him an hour and three quarters on a Sunday morning. 